This is your other brother's podcast. to your other brothers podcast we are a community navigating faith homosexuality and masculinity together from the jewel of the blue ridge my name's tom good to be here with you guys we haven't seen homeboy in a while from the other side of the state from the city of oaks it's our other brother ryan what's up ryan hello tom it's been a minute good to be back i haven't seen you since the days of what was your last podcast that you're on is it vulnerability? Joy. Joy, since the days of joy, man. Joy. What a joyless time it has been since we last had you with us. Ah, funny how that works. <laughs> but Ryan's back, Ryan's back, and joining him from the handprint of God of mighty Michigan, it's our other brother, Ben. What's up, Ben? Hey, Tom. I feel like it's been a while since I've been on here, too, at least a few podcasts. You've been on, yeah, you were on a couple episodes. I think you were on vulnerability. You were the one I was thinking about, yeah. So it's been a couple episodes for you as well. But you guys, this is great because, you know, if you've missed Ben, if you've missed Ryan, you not only get them today, you also will get them, Lord willing, on our next podcast as well as we finish out these seven values to kick off 2023. Um, We're talking about kinship today. Next time we'll talk about discipleship. And I love it. I love the two ships at the end of this train of values. So we're going to be jumping in the ship with kinship and then setting sail next time with discipleship. So hope you guys are ready, ready to climb aboard this little boat of ours. <laughs> it's very cozy. It's very fun. It's very homey. I'm excited to talk all about kinship here today. Value six of seven as the gauntlet of these infinity stones is almost complete. Soon we'll be able to snap and do whatever happens in that movie. Um, I saw it once. I think I remember it. Um, but how are you guys doing? So I we had a little bit of a of a of a kerfuffle before recording here today because my webcam literally stopped as we were just about to start the recording. And I could we could have still recorded; it would have been fine. But you guys wouldn't be able to see me moving and interacting. It's kind of easier, I think, to to interact when we can see one another. So I did remember finding a spare webcam. I don't know why I have held on to it for all these years, but I've just stuffed it in my tech drawer for probably four or five years now it's been sitting there and for such a time as this it has come to the rescue so you guys can see me and all of my my like eye decrepitness <laughs> it's a lesson you know n- never throw away a webcam because you, you never know when you'll need a, a, a like questionably distorted and proportioned fisheye <laughs> webcam backup I, uh... I was joking to Ryan. It's like, I feel like I'm in a fishbowl right now. I probably could click some settings somewhere, but I just didn't have time right now. But it looks like, yeah, I'm bent a little bit. My my image is distorted. It's um, it's a little trippy, but it's fun. You know, the last couple of times that we've moved, Marie has really pushed for us to get rid of things that we haven't used. You know, things that have been just sitting in a box, 
untouched, unneeded. But, you know, I thought, well, this thing still works and I might need it someday. And Tom, thank you. Thank you for saving that webcam because the next time I'm told to throw something away that still works that I might need someday, I'm going to come back to this moment that you pulled out that webcam, that fisheye webcam that you saved that did, in fact, have a purpose again one day. Thank you for justifying my hoarding with your webcam. Truly nothing is wasted. There's a spiritual principle there. Yeah. I this this really beckons an ice this is a great icebreaker question, either for you guys and or for the, the listeners. Like what is something that you have held on to for years that you've just stuffed away? It hasn't seen the light of day in literal years, but you're just convinced it'll be it'll be needed one day. It'll be it'll be useful, it'll be needed, and you will be so glad when that day arrives. Like I'm sure there's gotta be things that come up in people's minds as I Say that right now. So please hit us up in the comments. I'll give you guys the link at the end of the episode. I'm sure you guys can find your way around our website though. Um, I would love to love to know what happens. Um, I mentioned my eye because this has been this has been like the Tom Tom's eye watch uh, 2023. People have been asking me. They've been in concern for me, which is very touching. I'm glad that people are thinking of me. Like that's 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 great. I appreciate that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I'm just gonna, if people are, are woozy, if they don't like medical stories, like maybe just fast forward the next 60 seconds, like you can do that on your fancy podcast app, or if you're watching on YouTube or whatever. Um, cause here we go. I'm just going to dive right in for this little catch up story. So everyone knows where the state of my left eye is at this juncture. Um, I went to the eye doctor and I had been taking this medication. I've been doing this heat compress. I'd been doing all these things for this sty that had developed in my eye. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and redder and redder. Um, every time I came on Zoom, because we do these Zoom calls every week with the community and we do recordings you know, once a week or every other week too. And every time I got on, people were nice, but they would be, always be like, Tom, it's it's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. Are you gonna see a doctor about that? Or what's going on? What's up with your eye? Um, which showed me care. Again, it made me feel very self-conscious. That would have been the time for my webcam to break. My goodness, why did my webcam not break? during all of that time. Um, but anyway, I did go to the doctor. I went doc- I went to the doctor twice, took different rounds of medication, tried two different things. None of them was working. I still felt like my eye was getting worse. And so um, so the diagnosis or the, the uh, hypothesis, I think that's the right word. The hypothesis was because I'm on immunosuppressants for my autoimmune disease, um, there was a theory that maybe like my, my body is struggling to fight the infection that was in my eyelid. It's not necessarily my eye, it's like in my upper eyelid. Um, and it just wasn't like fighting it as well as maybe it would do otherwise or normally. Cause because they were like, yeah, in rare instances, we have to go in there and scrape it out. I should have I should have put a, a number disclaimer at the beginning of like fast forward three minutes, maybe maybe 60 seconds was premature. Hello, if you only fast forwarded 60 seconds. Um yeah, so they suggested scraping out my eye, my eyelid by like slicing it open very slightly and scraping it out and then um and the whole time so they had to like they had to numb it first so they, i I, w- I could only imagine what the video feed of this would have looked like because like they had to stick a needle into like the where my eyebrow meets my eyelid and i felt that like i felt that and that was not pleasant and then and then it's like as it was all numb i could feel him just like moving things around it just kind of felt like you know my like you, when your foot falls asleep and you touch it and you 
you don't feel it, but you can sort of feel it, you know, that feeling. Um, and so that's what it felt like. So that part wasn't bad, but, um, but the whole time I was just like sitting in my chair, I was awake the whole time. They couldn't like put me to sleep. I was like, please knock me out, but they can't do that. So I'm just like sitting in my chair, like clenching my hands the whole time. And you guys, I told this on zoom the other day, we had a zoom call with the community. I was like, I just wanted someone's hand to hold in that moment. <laughs> I just wanted somebody's hand to squeeze next to me. There was a nurse in the room sitting at a computer, like typing notes while this was happening. I was like, you could be useful and hold my hand while this is happening. Cause I was, I was, it was like, it was more, I think it was more mentally disturbing than like physically, like physically it hurt too. But it was like mentally, like he's messing around with my eye. I guess it's a very sensitive, delicate area. And, oh. Uh, Anyway, long story short, the the horror story of that ended, and I think it definitely has gotten better. It's it's still going to be probably a few weeks of putting ointment on there and heat compresses and all this like annoying extra tasks, but it is it is definitely better, and so I'm hopeful that we can see the light. I'm seeing more of the light as my eye opens. I'm seeing the light again, so I'm hoping uh, that trend continues. So, um, Ben Ryan, I didn't even ask if you guys were squeamish or if you muted your muted your audio the whole time. I told that story, but. Um, but I needed to update our listeners. They needed to know. <laughs> they needed to know the state of my of my eye. I have blacked out. Are we recording yet? <laughs> Ryan is on the floor the whole time. <laughs> There's an episode of Parks and Rec where Ron like pulls a tooth out of his mouth and then Tom faints on the ground. And it's just so that's so funny. That was that's where that reminded me of. Oh, but anyway, I appreciate the prayers. It means a lot. Thank you, community. Um, so now that's out of the way, why don't we get to some voicemails? <laughs> Let's lighten the mood. <laughs> Let's lighten the mood a little bit. So it was, I think it was either the last episode or the previous one before that. I mentioned that you can call the Yob line. You know, that number has been established for years now and plenty of people have done it. Plenty of people have lost their Yob line virginity and we love those people. Um, something we haven't really, something we haven't had at all yet though, until now, is somebody emailing us a voice memo because maybe for whatever reason, maybe you're in a different part of the world and you don't want to call or you can't call. Um, but everybody can email if you have a Wi-Fi connection or what have you. So um, I mentioned that a few episodes ago and someone took me up on that. Someone sent us a voice memo to podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. Um, and this is in reference to our last episode on integrity. So we're going to play that. We got that. And then we also have a Yobline voicemail as well. So we got two to play today. Um, so let's start with the voice memo though. Um, and he wanted to mention the the song that was referenced in the last episode. Cause there was a song, we were talking about, about Cairns and Stones and Ebenezer's. And we were like, there was like a song that's out on Christian radio right now. And I was trying to pull it, but I couldn't pull it properly. Um, and so listener to the rescue, we were gonna, we're gonna go to his message now and he will he will fill in the mystery that was left on our last episode. Hello, Tom and my other brothers. The song that has the fun word Ebenezer, other than Come Thou Fount, which is pure gold, is just as good by Chris Renzema in, I don't know if there's multiple versions, but the one that includes Ellie Holcomb is really good. It's been a favorite of mine for the past two years making it on my top whatever lists um but i love i love quoting really good lyrics so i'm just gonna read it 
Now I will build an altar and stack it stone by stone because every Ebenezer says I've never been alone. Oh, that's so good. My faith will surely falter and we know it does, but that don't change what you've done because every Ebenezer points to where my help comes from. That's where the Ebenezer was and the chorus of the song. You're still just as good as when I met you. You're still just as kind. Don't let me forget that you're still the same God that led me through the fire. You're still the same God who separates the waters. Come do what only you can do. God, I need you. There's your song. Enjoy. All right. There it is. Just as good. Thank you for that assist. Someone came in with the assist. My favorite part of him reading the lyrics, because there's a part that goes, that don't change what you've done. So it's like not grammatically correct, because it should be that doesn't change what you've done. <laughs> but so anyway, And as he was reading it, he like noticed, I could tell he noticed that like this is not grammatically correct. But that is how the lyric goes, that don't change what you've done. Um, but yeah, I, I love that song. I've been hearing it a lot coming up lately. And this whole that whole integrity episode about stacking these stones, remembering um, where God has met us on this journey, this often um, often difficult, lonely, confusing side B journey that a lot of us are, are having to figure out for ourselves. Um, and that song, I just was like, it, that that lyric, those lyrics in particular that he read off are so meaningful. It's actually already been added to our Heart of a Brother playlist. This is a shout out to the Heart of a Brother playlist on YouTube. You can also search for it on Spotify. Um, just find your other brothers, each of those channels, and you can find our playlist. And we have over a hundred songs that talk about faith and longing and sacrifice and adventure and and brotherhood and connection. And so there's a lot of a lot of awesome themes on that playlist, and you guys can can check it out. And um, you know what's really fun? I don't know if you guys are aware of this. This is a little segue announcement of sorts, update of sorts. We just did this thing called Yob Madness in our community Discord, where it's really silly, but it's so fun. Like we create these crazy brackets. We've done this for three years now while March Madness is happening and all the basketball players are shooting the hoops and and getting the three-pointers and doing all of that stuff. Um, we're voting on our favorite songs <laughs> in, on our playlist this year. Uh, we've done other things in different years, but um, but yeah, we took 32 songs from our Heart of a Brother playlist, put them all in a bracket. People were voting for the last few weeks and, and the winner, which honestly I kind of predicted from the beginning, I had a feeling this song would win, but it was Brother by Need to Breathe, a very popular song in our community. Um, and that came out on top. So it's like hot off the presses, actually, just as of today, as we're recording this, that song was crowned the champion of Yob Madness. So congratulations, Need to Breathe. You can put that. I'm sure they've won other awards too, but this has to be um, at the top of their trophy case, I'm sure. <laughs> winning winning Yob Madness. So thank you to our community for voting, for voting in that. And thanks to our caller for that call and bringing in those lyrics for us. Much appreciated. I love it. I love it when our listeners come to the rescue. The previous episode was, Ben, I don't know, because you were on the uh, humility episode, right, Ben? Uh, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but a listener came in with an assist again, back-to-back -back episodes. They put the clarity on, is an acorn a nut or a seed? They put that controversy to bed. So that was an awesome assist as well. So I love it when you guys take it upon yourselves to help us out when we are factually incorrect or factually confused. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. Oh, Ryan, I wanted to comment on um, on our Yob 
playlist. Like I threw in a Sufjan song for you on the bracket. Sadly, Sufjan did not make it out of the first round. I thought of you. I mourned for you when that、mm. happened. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised at how some of that went down. You know, I'll make a man out of you from Mulan didn't make it out of the first round. That was a shocker for me. So shocked. Yeah, this. I mean, the Sufjan. I guess I'm not that surprised. I was shocked by Miley Cyrus's the climb. The climb. The climb did not climb. The climb sank. <laughs> the climb actually fell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, it was. It was one of those moments though, where it's like maybe this is just a Tom favorite. Maybe this isn't a Yab favorite as much as I think it is. <laughs> so, a lot of self awareness coming through in this bracket challenge this year. But it was fun. Fun times all around. Now let's play our second voicemail. So this one came in, and this was a really great, interesting topic. And so I really wanted to see if Ben and Ryan had any thoughts, or if I had any thoughts for that matter, on this listener's、uh, question about hu- about not humility, about integrity.、Um, and then we will, yeah, we'll chat about that for a little bit, and we'll keep going. So let's play that one now. Hi, Tom. This is Nathan calling in from Wisconsin. Here, I've been following Yab for a while. Past. Three or four years or so, and I really appreciate all the work you guys are doing. I just finished the episode on integrity, and you asked us to pull over in a Walmart parking lot to call the ob line, so I did just that.、Um, for me, what came to mind for me about integrity is being able to not necessarily live up to, but reflect the dreams that important people in my life have for me. So. If people in my life are, you know, telling me about having a wife someday or having kids someday, and they're projecting these dreams onto me because they don't understand what's on my heart or what I think God wants out of my life, that's difficult sometimes. So then I ask myself, should I come out to them? Do do they need to know about this part of my life so that these people who love me can see? Me in a way that aligns with how God sees me, and can I live with integrity if those dreams continue to be out of line with how I want to live my life or how I'm acting? So that was my thought, and you guys are doing great work. So thank you for everything. Bye. Oh, that voicemail made me smile multiple times. First of all, props and points to you for pulling over, being safe. We do not advocate calling the Yab line while you are in motion in a vehicle. Please pull over, <laughs> pull over in a Walmart parking lot. That was great. That was awesome. Very specific.、Um, so that was that was point number one. And then point number two. I don't know how you guys feel about this because like it, what what came to mind for me was when he was describing that whole situation was that when we did our Zoom call. On integrity, we had you know like fifteen or twenty guys from our community. We talked about integrity a few weeks ago,、um, and somebody he mentioned how people in his life always tried to set him up. Like they'd always be asking, "Hey, are you interested? Like I have a friend who lives here, does this, or that you share this in common with them, or like like I could get you her number, or I could you know, and、so、all this all this stuff, you know."、Um, and he used to be like he used to lie essentially and be like, "Oh yeah, I might be interested." Um, and just to like you know play along and and just go with the flow, no resistance, no tension, no you know whatever.、Um, versus now, where he that kind of has become a point of integrity for him, where he would now he would now say, no, I'm not interested, and he doesn't have to like 
then come out to them and share about his sexuality, but he no longer has to lie and say like, oh yeah, I'm interested or yeah, give me their number and then never call them or, or whatever, you know, the long list of things. And so that's, that's what came to mind as he shared that story. Um, which I'm sure that is, I'm sure it's a common story. I would imagine in our community, people trying to like, who don't know, and they just want us to be married and sit and connected and everything. Like, I think the intentions are good, but if they don't know the full story that can create a little bit of tension, both externally and internally. So, um, so I just wanted to point that out that definitely not alone as far as, um, as far as that type of conversation goes with friends or family. Yeah, one thing I really appreciated about y'all's conversation in that episode was talking about integrity as something that's more than just like a fancy word for not sinning. Um, you talked about what what it means on the level of um, having your your actions line up with your beliefs, um, your public persona line up with your private life. Um, and, and I liked that kind of broader perspective of alignment when you talk about mm. integrity. Alignment. Yeah, that's a good word. We had a lot of good vocabulary in that, in that episode. Though I wasn't there for it, I feel the need to quote the, the queen here. Uh, Renee Brown says, integrity is choosing courage over comfort, choosing what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy that sometimes means also what is choosing what is personally painful as well queen bee you know i love the queen bee references i think we're in a competition now ben with you quoting Brene brown and will cooper quoting kierkegaard i think we're getting close that there's now uh there's there's like maybe this will be next year's yab madness bracket kierkegaard quotes or Brene brown quotes i don't know we'll have to figure that out if he manages to sell everybody on Kierkegaard, I'm going to be very surprised. <laughs> Seriously. Ooh, I'm curious now about Ben's hot take on Soren Kierkegaard. We'll see. We'll save that for a Yabalog episode, maybe. Um, so, y'all, we have a five-star review to read for our listeners. Thank you. We haven't gotten many of these lately. You know, we've been around for, for a long time. We've been around the block more than a few times now after all these years. Um, so it's, it's becoming less frequent that people rate and review us on Apple podcasts, but it's always a joy when people do. Um, it keeps the show relevant, keeps it seen and visible. So thank you for doing that. MFT Miller, MFT, Mift Miller, MFT Miller. That's like a degree though, isn't it? Is an MFT a degree? Master of Master of Fine Tarts. <laughs> you were so close. Ben, you're in school. Family therapy? Family therapy, maybe? Yeah, okay. I think that's a degree, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If not, that could be his initials. Maybe it's MFT Miller. Um, but he titled his five-star review an absolute rescue. And he said this, I just learned about this community on Thursday after many long, lonely years as a side B Christian man in a mixed orientation marriage. I have a small but mighty band of men in my life who know my story and love me, but they can't relate to this part of me. In these few brief days, I have been so flooded with hope and gratitude to Jesus for the prospect of knowing and being known by others like me. I've been drinking from the fire hose of these podcasts over the last few days, and I'm beyond grateful to this brave community for existing and being open to me. Listening to the podcast feels like sitting around a circle with friends I've always longed deeply for, but for whom I had pretty much all but given up hope of ever finding. Thank you, God, I've found them now. 
Keep up the amazing work, brothers. Your playfulness, transparency, and courage to go where few others dare to go, and with such compassion and honesty, are nothing short of a miraculous rescue beyond what I thought was possible. We have so much great feedback today. This is, I'm just so blessed by people listening to us, responding to us. Um, thank you so much, MFT Miller, for that five-star review. You know, when he said he's grateful, or he said, keep up the amazing work, your playfulness, transparency, and courage. It made me think, you know, there's three of us on the show who would like to play the role of playfulness, who would like to play the role of transparency, and who would like to be the role of courage in this episode, like snap, crackle, and pop. <laughs> ben, Ben, playfulness. <laughs> we'll go, we'll go Ryan Courage, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think, well, transparency. I think uh, transparency is more your brand, Tom. I mean, it's, it's my brand too, it but if there's like, if there's like an Enneagram for like brand, yeah. it's transparency, yeah. That's right. And nines are courageous for just like waking up in the morning, right? That's that's how. Oh yeah, go. every second of the day, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> climbing out of bed, <laughs> climbing out of bed. We're just gonna stereotype the nine as sleeping in bed all day. When you just get up in the morning, you are being so courageous. Bless you. Um, that works. Plus, I did also tell the story about slicing my eye open. That's pretty transparent, right? It's also kind of courageous. I'm gonna give myself credit. I courageously listened. Yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs> You did indeed. Uh, you know, when I tell that story, I mentioned that, uh, I forgot to mention that I, I, when the whole thing was happening, and as I've told the story twice now, like I want to write a blog about it. And th if I do, this will be the first blog I think that I've ever written that I've already like talked about multiple times before writing about it. So if that happens, you guys know where you were when you first heard that story. It wasn't in a blog, it was on a podcast or on a Zoom call for those that were at that Zoom call um, with the community. So there we go. Anyway, thank you to our <laughs> raters and reviewers. If you want to rate and review our show, if you're new to the show or if you've been lurking for a while, feel free to do that. Just go over to Apple Land and you'll find your way. You'll find your way, I'm sure. Um, thank you to the sponsor of this show, Nests and Boats. Two sponsors, Nests and Boats. Um, <laughs> the artwork for our value of kinship, as always, comes from the amazing Wesley Ayers. Check him out at artofatlas.com. Um, if you go to our website, yourotherbrothers.com slash values, the symbol for kinship is not just a nest, but a nest in the mast of a boat. Um, and both of these last two values have boat imagery with these with these ships at the end of each value. So, um, so it ties together really well. Let me read about it, and then I'll give you guys the background story on kinship before we start talking about the value. Regarding kinship, we openly embrace all who wish to navigate this journey with us. We are a multi-denominational global community of men and women, gay and straight and everything in between. Our many diversities joined by spiritual kinship in Jesus Christ. And our scripture comes from Ephesians 2, 19 through 21. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Um, and really, this, this is a great bridge. There's such a great relationship between all of these values, and I think we, we touch on it, some of them more explicitly than others, some more implicitly, but... Um, you know, the integrity piece, really making a stand 
a few years ago about making sure this community was centered around Jesus and centered around our faith. Like, yes, we share a lot in common as men um, or men of a certain stripe of sexuality, but um, if the cornerstone, if the uniting stone of all of it isn't Jesus, like this thing, I just, I'm convinced would have fallen apart years ago. It just would have been too much. I don't think it would have been as focused or as strong as I, I think and believe it is today. So, um, so that definitely stands out to me as I'm reading this scripture now about kinship, because, you know, I can, I can toot my own horn a little bit as far as like being a good, like logistics person. And like, I can keep up with a blog or I can organize a podcast or I can keep to a schedule. Um, but if other people aren't contributing, if like, just, we'll just focus on this podcast. Like if Ben and Ryan aren't here today, like there's no podcast. And if all those Zoom calls don't have people showing up to them, if retreats don't have people showing up to them, if I don't have leaders helping me um, with this with this ship that we're in, guiding the ship over the years and leading this community, then it doesn't happen. And so this is really where, um, I don't know, I just really am convinced that God has just brought in incredible people into this community and this value of kinship just really strikes a really deep chord in me because again, I can only do so much as a single individual. And I think this value of kinship is not something I can do or foster individually. It's definitely a, a big wide sweeping community effort. And so I'm just incredibly grateful for our amazing community. I mean, those people who commented and called the Yob line and, and provide feedback. We got feedback on this episode. I'll read that. Um, there's just such a great energy and a great passion and a great community d dynamic that we have over the years. And, um, you know, maybe there's some small role I played in that, but there's a lot that other people have as well. Ben and Ryan included, you guys have been a huge part of being in the community and leading, helping lead retreats and other things. And so it's just been so fun to see this value evolve over the years. A little bit of a history quickly. The value of kinship was previously known as brotherhood. We used to have a value of brotherhood when we first started. Um, and I think what became obvious to me as we grew is that we there's always been this like silent, not si maybe not silent is the right word, but definitely a minority group of women who have been there for a while now. Um, whether they were wives of a lot of the men who are in mixed orientation marriages in our community, um, or we had female commenters on our site, people commenting and following us and promoting us and sharing our blogs and our posts and kind of creating discussion on social media about us. And so there's always been women from the start. And it's like, Ben, you're married, you have a wife. Like, I can only imagine if I was married, like that my wife would kind of have to be on board with this, like of her husband hanging out with all these gay guys online. Like, <laughs> like there's gotta be, a, I think probably, you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's probably gotta be some like cooperation there and trust there and communication there. And so like there have always been women involved in one way, shape or form from the beginning. And, um, and particularly now as we, you know, hope to incorporate a Your Other Sisters community alongside ours, um, I think this value of kinship you know, removing the gendered component of brotherhood, I think um, is really interesting and really, I feel, feel like more appropriate and it kind of covers more people. Like this isn't just a temporary thing. Like we're not just brotherhood growing down for the next 20 years or 50 years. Like, no, this is like a eternal thing. This is like locking in for for quite a while now. And the, the sense that not only are we gonna stay connected into eternity and into that journey, um, but also, you know, going to the rest of that verse, this like, um, foundation, the apostles, the prophets, everybody, like all the saints, believers from ages past and ages future. Like, I don't know, there's such a, I feel like the, that word kinship just has way more going for it 
um, than brotherhood. And brotherhood is still like a sub value. It's not like we're no longer brother. We no longer practice brotherhood. We practice kinship. But um, but I think the kinship kind of makes more sense moving moving forward. So, so that's a little bit of the background of um, moving from brotherhood to kinship from round one of our values to round two. Um, and again, symbolized by that nest in in the boat. I remember as a leadership team, there was a there's a little bit of a of a controversy, a little bit of a discussion of like, do we put do we put eggs in the nest? <laughs> do we put eggs in the nest? <laughs> and we we ultimately I, I opted not. It felt weird to me that there would be eggs in the nest. I don't know. I couldn't get some strange imagery out of my mind. Are you guys pro egg or anti egg? There's no shame if you're pro egg. <laughs> Depends on how many eggs. <laughs> I I don't know. It was it was just strange to me. I couldn't I couldn't wrap my mind around why why are there eggs in there? But like we are birthing new yob sparrows in the there's always new sparrow. I don't know. It was maybe there's another way to picture that. So yeah, if you want to see our eggless nest, go to yourotherbrothers.com slash value so you can see it. <laughs> read all about read all read all about it. I have been thinking today, as I think about kinship, I think about how um, you know, a value like integrity or a vulnerability, you can, it's, uh, it's a little clearer how to like practice it. I think kinship, kinship is something you kind of, in, in some level, in some sense, it's something you kind of have or don't have with somebody. Um, you know, I'm, I'm either someone's brother or I'm not, I can't like grow in having that, like having that relationship in the same way that I could grow in being a good friend, you know, um, because there's sort of different, different logic almost to, to that. So I'm curious to know what you guys think of, like Tommy mentioned, um, practicing kinship. Like, what does that look like? What does that mean? Former pastor Ben, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> I have some thoughts, but that you raise a really good point. It's kind of, of all the values, I think it's the one that feels the least obvious as far as how do you, how do you practice if we if we're valuing it? How do we like build that value? How do we practice that value? I think of kinship in the early church when people came to Christ, they were thrown out of the synagogues. They were, you know, in some cases, uh, they lost their businesses. Um, people refused to trade with them. They lost everything. There's a reason why you know they they sold their possessions and shared with one another as any had need. Uh, you know, Acts chapter two. In a very true sense of the word, they became kin to one another. Um, you know, we have this modern phrase, you can pick your friends, but you can't pick your family. So, you know, Ryan, you, you say this idea of either have kinship with someone or you don't. But I think within the body of Christ, as it's meant to be, there's not supposed to be this idea of we we get to pick and choose who we're going to have kinship with. Now, yes, you know, in terms of like close heart relationship, yes, absolutely. There's going to be some people we click with and some people we don't. But because of our, our shared connection with Christ, um, because of shared suffering in this life, because of shared hope and eternity, because of, of Jesus, we're supposed to have this connection with one another that transcends anything else in this world that draws us together. And so 
this kinship that is not of this world is supposed to tie us together in a way that ties us like nothing else in this world. So like at its root, that to me is the idea of true Christ kinship. Um, the idea that we are citizens in the household of God. So that's that's kind of my my brief little flyover of kinship in the New Testament that I see. Um, and then, you know, the way that that's, you know, Paul, Paul uses that in Ephesians, uh, Christ is the cornerstone. And then we're built on top of him, literally says, you know, being joined together, grown together into a holy temple in the Lord, uh, that how we do that, how we how we join with one another is meant to be representative of an act of worship to God. And that's just, that's huge. And I look at that and I go, wow. Now, this isn't meant to sound arrogant, but like one of the thoughts that comes out of that is... Um, I had a friend say that when we look at um, when we look at gay community, when we look at the concept of chosen family, chosen family, you know, is something the gay community has been doing for years. And it's interesting because within the gay community, people end up doing some pretty horrible things to one another at times. But because the community is oppressed and in some instances small, they end up staying connected to one another because they're all that they have. And so my friend said, it's interesting that the gay community is actually a better representation of what the church ought to be than those who claim the name of Christ. And I would say that, you know, in terms of connectedness, in terms of caring for one another, that far too often that is right, because to be part of the body of Christ, to be part of the church, sad to say, too often right now, it is about, it's about conforming, it's about doing X, Y, and Z in order to be accepted, rather than it is to be able to show your whole self even when you fall flat on your face to know that you still have a place among your family. If, if our acceptance with God and if our acceptance with one another is conditional, then we are not truly family. And do we place conditions on one another before we'll say, yes, come sit at my table, yes, I love you. Yes, I choose you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think of the moment when Jesus is on the cross and his beloved disciple John is there and his mother is there. And Jesus looks to John and says, um, here is your mother. And he says to his mother, here is your son. And he sort of establishes just by speaking into existence, he establishes this kinship bond between them. And it is this moment that goes to show that Jesus's blood on the cross runs deeper than our biological blood, that, um, that he's the one who sort of 
makes he he establishes makes declares these kinship bonds that are that that are deeper and more important than than our biological bonds um and so i think part partly to me that's what kinship means when we talk about it in this context um and i think that there is something there's something about that that like it is chosen family, but we're kind of not exactly the ones choosing that family. You know, it's, it's Jesus who chooses us for each other. Um, I think there is so much that we need to learn from the LGBTQ community about being together in these families that go beyond like our biological connections. And and a lot of what you said is really important, you know, in that direction. But at the same time, I think chosen family is not quite the chosen family in that sense is is not quite what we experience in the body of Christ. And I also think um, it's important you mentioned the difference between like loving someone and feeling close to them is is a kind of love, and then kinship is a kind of relationship where there's all these studies that show that we as humans only have the capacity. For to, to be super tight, close friends with three people. Um, and then we have the capacity to be pretty good friends with about, you know, 10 to 15 people. And then we have the capacity to be, um, you know, buds with like more people. And so those expanding, expanding concentric rings are just kind of built into human capacity. And so there, there is something about, there's something baked into friendship where I can only have so many of so many closeness of friends. Um, but kinship doesn't have that sort of baked into it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing about kinship that says you can't have a hundred brothers, you know, like it's entirely possible. Like it's not, it doesn't go against human capacity or the definition of it. Um, on the flip side, I think it's important not to expect to feel that sort of close, intimate bond with, uh, maybe bond isn't, maybe we can't expect to feel some sort of bond, but we, I, I don't, I don't think it would be super healthy to f- expect to feel this super close, tight, intimate love with, uh, with everyone we call kin. Um, and, and maybe it's just different kinds of love we're talking about here. Yeah, you guys are hitting on all the things I wanted us to hit on in this these first few minutes of this conversation because I think um, if you picture so if you pic- picture the image of our community and our 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 definition of kinship and our application of kinship as a boat, a boat has a physical limitation. There's only so much room on the boat for people, but but theoretically this boat could hold. We have about 200 people supporting us on Patreon right now. Maybe that number in the future will be 2,000 or maybe it will be 20,000. I don't know. There's not like a limitation. We're, not, we're never going to get to a point where we say, sorry, the boat is full. <laughs> we, you, we have no ro- more room for b- more brothers in this boat. Sorry, we're done. We can't take you. Um, and I think that's a picture of kinship in that like, yes, there's always room for one more, always room for one more. Um, and again, the flip side of that is part of the part of the front loading when people join the community is just putting the awareness out there, just putting, making, making it known from the beginning when we get new members. Um, maybe you will make some great friends in this community, but just because we all kind of share this thing, this nebulous but also not nebulous thing in common, 
Um, it doesn't mean you're going to hit it off with everybody and they're going to hit it off with you. And that's certainly been the case. Not everybody is chummy with everybody else. And so you guys are hitting that the like, what is kinship? It doesn't mean we're all like intimate with one another, <laughs> but we also but we also have a common bond. We also have a common brother in Jesus. And and that speaks volumes um, beyond whatever personality conflicts come up or whatever um, f- geographical, physical limitations, being a virtual community around the world, like there's going to be natural limitations that come up as far as our application of kinship goes. But um, man, yeah, the ability to choose, you know, when you're talking about that, Ben, about chosen family, like um, it remind, it made me re- think back to a convo cast I did with Alex. And I'm pretty sure we talked about it, but we did a, we did a convo cast on love Victor, this, this Hulu show that was a spinoff of the movie love Simon. Um, and there was a scene that's probably my favorite scene from the whole series um, where Victor is like confronting an LGBT person that he just met. And he's like getting really upset. Cause he's like, why are you like, why have you been giving me all this advice or why are you looking out for me? Like, he's very like skeptical about like why this total stranger like suddenly cares about him essentially. Um, and then the other person basically then goes into, uh, into an explanation about what the LGBT community is and the family that they are. And because, when he was younger, he was in a religious family. And so he knows exactly what Victor is going through in a religious family and just kind of knowing a lot of similar vantage points. Um, not exactly the same because there was a bunch of a bunch of people that he was kind of calling out in that in that interaction. But um, but I don't know, that spoke volumes to me because there, I think I think in our community, like we have such a vantage point that maybe we're not going to hit it off all with one another. But I think we have lots to offer from similar perspectives, whether we came from religious homes or um, similar experiences in the locker room, or, I mean, there's like a whole host of topics that we've talked about over the years that, um, again, like people, the guy that commented and and he's, he's drinking from the fire hose of the podcast. I think that's how he phrased it. Um, like he's obviously connecting with something that we're talking about a similar vantage point. And I, I love that aspect of our kinship in this community that we have a very specific lens that we've seen the world through our sexuality, through our relationship with other men and our relationship with faith. Like it's all coalescing in this community and in these conversations and um and i just love that we get to we get to to be family for people who may may not have that at at the ready may not have that in abundance like that that is super meaningful to me um and i guess to to tie a bow on that i was like how do we practice that you know words i don't know if any other words come up to mind for you guys but like so if i'm if i'm trying to define kinship or how to how do we practice it like I think like hospitality maybe or patience or um, sacrifice maybe. I don't know. Like I think there's a lot of subcategories. Do any other buzzwords come up for you guys as far as like what are like action words for how do we build this value of, of kinship? Yeah. When, I mean, going back to Jesus and John and Mary at, uh, in the, on the cross, um, that there's implicit in that there's this command for care, right? You're going to care for one another. Um, cause that's what families do. And e- even, even if they're having, uh, well, ideally that's what they do. Um, e- even if maybe there's the, they, I feel, I've only see this person once a year at the family reunion, you know, I'm still going to offer care to them if they need it. Yeah. And, and so, right. To, to answer that question of what, what does it mean to practice that? Maybe it means, making making that kinship real like acting on that kinship um toward toward that care toward that hospitality um for yab in particular i think it means yeah welcoming welcoming new people 
and um, and and offering them that care, that hospitality. And our community, I need to I need to shout out our community because they are such great welcomers. Like whenever we get new members on our on our Discord from Patreon. Um, you know, a, a host of our yobbers will say, welcome, welcome, welcome. There is the famed uh, Keegan welcome gift from Fran Jesher, where she's like waving her hands. Too bad this isn't a video co- podcast because you would see me waving my hands right now. But um, he posts that every single time. I don't think he's missed a single one like in the last five years. <laughs> so he's welcomed everybody with Fran Jesher every single time. It's been it's been so great. Mm hmm. Yeah, and if if I can circle back for a moment to the Yab Madness bracket, mm-hmm. one of my song submissions, uh, which again did not make it past the first round, was um, a song called "You Belong Here" by Leagues, and um, and the lyrics go, "You belong here. We've been waiting so long. We've been waiting so long," um, and I just love that message that. Um, like not only do you belong here, but we've been we've missed you. Like you haven't you're, you're just arriving, but we've been missing you this whole time. Oh, and I think that's the kind of that's the kind of welcome. That's the kind of like um, belonging sense of belonging that that I think the value of kinship contains. Uh. So in thinking through the idea of hospitality and not to put this, you know, big huge honor of spotlight on it but um in matthew 25 in the final judgment talks about the nations being gathered before jesus and he divides you know the sheep on his right and the goats on the left and he says come you are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry, and feed you, and thirsty, and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? When do we see you sick, or in prison, and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so this this idea of hospitality, of seeing other people as created in the image of God and worthy of care, worthy of respect, worthy of seeing them in whatever situation they're in, whether that's, again, in, in prison or you know, in need of food, in need of clothing, and meeting them where they're at. Um, this is not to toot our horn, but one of the reasons why we, we got the house that we did, um, more bedrooms than what we needed, which may or may not have been a comment by one of our, our family members, why did you get such a big house? Uh, because we want to make sure that we have space if if somebody needs it. And <laughs> not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but we may end up actually adding somebody else to our house at the end of the summer who also got kicked out of their, their home for being gay. So this idea of, of, of showing hospitality and taking care of people, mm. and that is kinship. That is being part of the body of Christ to somebody else. Um, let's read some go- some comments from the Yabbers. I asked them 
how does Yab exemplify kinship um, or how have they experienced kinship within Yab? And this is what one Yabber had to say. He said, your other brothers is kinship. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> your other brothers is kinship. Being part of this community, it's constantly life-giving and comforting to know there are others like me. Even though I've sadly never been able to attend a Yab retreat, that is sad. Um, whenever I've looked at pictures from those retreats, I see a family resemblance. I think I actually look like you guys because there's just something about us as a group that says that we all come from the same family, that we're related. Like brothers who grew up together, we have so many of the same shared experiences and shared values. It's uncanny. This despite our wide range of ages and ethnicities and far-flung geography. It's got to be a God thing, which basically proves we're family. After all, we do all have the same dad, our father, God. Um, that is a call. That is a call to this Yabber to attend a Yabber retreat <laughs> in the future, Lord willing, Lord willing one day. Um, I love that though, because I've I've always joked, not joked, I've told serious story. It's on our about page. It's on our story that it, it felt like a family reunion the first time we did it. And it kind of still feels like that. It still feels like we're a family reunion coming from all corners of the earth or certainly the continent to be able to come together for these for these retreats. But um, but I've never seen that coming before that we all kind of look like each other. And it's, there's some truth to that. There are guys in our community that I think do look like one another. So, so for what it's worth, I think, yeah, I think he's onto something there. Someone else in our community said this, as a celibate gay man, I, I've gotten used to not being in a physical relationship and it's not a big deal. However, I always worried in the back of my mind about the emotional need of male companionship, which I can't ignore. Yab fills this by holding to the value of kinship. Yeah. And that's, that's been super meaningful to me where, um, like people have used the language that they've met their best friends in this community. And that's just super cool. It's super cool when people are able to, um, enter into our community and they're able to find those types of connections and bonds that they wouldn't have found elsewhere. Like that's just been so meaningful to me because I think, I think it's just really been, um, I guess sort of a blind side, like when we created this whole thing, we created a blog and a podcast. And I guess I thought theoretically one day we would have a community, but it was not to the extent that it's formed and grown. And there was no retreats on our radar way back then. And so I think the fact that all of these meaningful connections have developed over the years um, from our from our times on Google Hangouts, I think Ryan was there for our Google Hangout days. <laughs> to Zoom, to Patreon, to our Discord now, our, our Discord server. Um, and then of course these retreats, like I think it's been awesome. And everything in between, like you guys are all hanging out all the time now. Like Ryan, you were just hanging out with somebody. I think I saw a picture somewhere. So mm -hmm. it's just fun that you guys get to do that now. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's We, we hang out. It's a thing we do. Um, and then one last comment on this one before we dive into our individual journeys with kinship. Um, this guy said this, since joining Yab a little over a month ago, I have begun to experience a sense of kinship unlike any I have known up until this point, that of belonging in a community of men who are like me at the level of sexual identity and orientation. Before Yab, all male friends except for one have been straight, and the one was many years ago and did not stand the test of time. Being a part of this fellowship has been an absolute game changer for me and has opened something in my soul that I can scarcely put words to a hope unlike any I have ever experienced. In Yab, I have encountered nothing but sincere, warm, kind affirmation and acceptance thus far. On the other hand, and in some ways, because I am getting to experience some of what I've desperately longed for over so many years, I have been hit hard with a lot of those old thoughts and feelings as well, 
accusations that the authentic love and acceptance I've been tasting in Yab will be short-lived, fear that ultimately I will still be tolerated as opposed to being deeply loved, and so forth. The insecurity is embarrassing and unsettling, but I have to be truthful and acknowledge its presence. I am trying to work through these feelings, trusting Jesus and the process in hopes that they will subside as I continue on in the fellowship. And I love both sides of that comments because it's very honest and it's very um, just genuine. Because um, I'll be honest, I have those thoughts too. Like, the what's the longevity of this, you know? And and I can't speak to, I can't say with any assurance whatsoever that your other brothers will exist forever. Like, I can't say that. I can't promise that. I have no idea what the years will bring as far as we go. But, but, um, but I think if we get down to the nitty gritty, if we get down to the kinship component of like, are we siblings in Christ or aren't we? And, and there's gotta be something there that, that does live on and does survive regardless of how relationships come and go. Like, um, I think that's something that I've come to appreciate about that value of kinship over the years is that regardless of what happens to Yab, um, that these, this, this, this spiritual kinship we have with one another is forever. Um, and that's such a reassurance to me as somebody who is all too familiar with friendships coming and going and relationships dying and kind of the wounds that come, particularly with male friends that don't stick around. So I, I feel the weight of that from that comment. I think one of the reasons why kinship might be like hard to pin down, does it feel like it's not insubstantial but like it's somehow less less solid than some of the other ones is this one of the ones that like for us is more fleeting like we feel like maybe we've seen it come and go more often than some of the others maybe aliens let's talk about aliens you guys um i love so i love the scripture because it's so vivid it's such strong language of um no longer being strangers or aliens in this world, um, which made me think, you know, when have we felt that? Because those are strong, visceral words, feeling like a stranger, feeling unwelcome, not having belonging. Um, and I was curious about our community's experience with that. And so we got a couple comments there. And I'm curious if Ben and Ryan, if you have any stranger alien stories from from your lives as well. But wanted to read some of those and talk about kind of the, the journey from stranger alien to kin and what that's looked like in our lives. Um, so this person said, when I started college, I, of course, went to a Christian center of my denomination. I already was feeling out of place at the university level already. It didn't help that I was starting to feel homoerotic temptations and had no idea how to deal with them. To any degree, these guys were jocks or they were smooth business and education majors who were very smooth. The first few weeks, though, I felt quite lonely and honestly emasculated. And... It breaks my heart, but this is like such a common story, like Christian institutions where theoretically we should be the most welcomed and the most at home. And there's other people that are in love with God and following Jesus like we are trying to do. But yet there's like this, this disconnect that's happened. And I felt I felt it my whole life. Um, all the Christian schools I went to, all the, the Christian college I went to for a year, like there's there's some pockets. Not not It wasn't a complete alien experience, but I think by and large, that was more of a common thread that... Um, that I couldn't belong, that I didn't fit in. And I certainly didn't talk about sexuality for any of the years that I was in Christian education, which I don't know, kind of breaks my heart a little bit now. Maybe if, maybe if I grew up as a Gen Zer on the TikTok every day, maybe, maybe I would have done something differently, <laughs> but as it stands now, nope, never breathed a word of my sexuality in any Christian institutions. 
What about you guys? Is I guess that's that's a great segue for our our upbringings. Like, did you feel um, were you able to still feel at like to have that level of kinship, whether it's with your blood family or the people that you associated with in a schooling environment? Was that something you were still able to find? Because um, I forget specifically when you guys started being more open about your sexuality and sharing your story with other people. I was very afraid in middle school and high school to talk about sexuality at all. Um, and I tried talking with one of my youth leaders about masturbation and got hauled into my youth pastor's office for a lecture on pornography, which I had not actually discovered yet at that point. So, mm. you know, decided I really couldn't trust Christians very much at that point. Um, but I was at an undergrad Bible Institute, I shall not name at this moment. Um, <laughs> and Christopher Yuan was speaking, and you know, I've shared that story before. He was, you know, the first person to give words to the idea of temptation versus, you know, acting on the attraction. And he had encouraged me to share with someone I was close with. Um when I was in high school, I had a very close friend named Mike, and I actually lived with Mike and his family for a few months. Um, Mike was, you know, the idea of there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I mean, Mike was that friend, and he was actually my roommate my first year in undergrad, and he was the first person, you know, after Christopher Yuan that I that I told that I was gay and, you know, there was fear there. There was, I was worried that our friendship was going to change, but he had told me based on, you know, things that I had said before that he had kind of wondered, but he said, I was, I was waiting till, till you were comfortable to say it. And this doesn't change anything. You're my friend, you're my brother you know, I love you. And, and to this day, Mike is still somebody that, um, I can call up, I can talk to about anything and everything. Um, I can call him up and tell him like, if I'm, you know, it's like, yeah, Mike, I'm like thinking about becoming a Buddhist and completely, you know, rejecting Jesus or something like, like he would be there for that kind of conversation. Um, you know, I, I trust him with the big stuff and the little stuff. And yeah, he, he's my brother no matter what. So, and I think that that is a said, maybe I shouldn't say said, but that's a rare relationship. So yeah, I, I, I have that with, you know, with him and had that since, since college. And that's awesome. Thank you for not saying the phrase brother from another mother, which I hate. <laughs> and I had a split second where I thought you were about to say that, but you didn't. Okay. We're good. We're in the clear. This is going to be talking more about um, brotherhood in particular versus um, versus the umbrella of kinship. But I remember growing up feeling kind of alien from uh, from men and masculinity um, and other guys my age. I would look around and I would see um, see you know the the sports guys. Um, having having their brotherhood moments you know having their kinship and and bonds and and everything and i felt outside of that um and sort of intractably outside of that like there's no way that i could 
join a sports team and have that. And uh, yeah, and I think that was really hard for me to deal with. I think I was really sad about that. I wanted that very badly, but I always just felt on the outside of that. Um, and I think it goes back to maybe um, something that one of the commenters talked about, which is family resemblance. Like I would look at those guys and I would say, they don't, they don't look like me. Um, and, and there was, there was a physiological level to that because I was not athletic. I was, um, you know, I was on the bigger side and, um, hadn't really realized how much control I had over the development of my body. Um, but then there is also a more, you know, a more metaphysical sense where I didn't resemble them. Like I didn't, I didn't act like them. I didn't talk like them. I didn't think like them. And so that's one thing that made me feel alien. Gosh, thinking more about that, you know, I, I think I felt for the longest time profoundly alien from masculinity in, in ways I didn't have words for, you know, I looked around at, at my guy friends. I mean, they were friends, but I looked around and I'd be like, gosh, I don't, I, I now looking, I, I now know looking back that like, I didn't feel as connected with them as I wanted to. Um, and, uh, I didn't know how to express that, you know, I didn't, I didn't value the same things in friendship. I didn't want the same things out of friendship. I didn't form friendships in the same ways. And I think those are, those are some very fundamental deep differences that, um, that made me feel like I don't resemble uh, these people. Um, and, and I feel like I've found that in, in your other brothers. Um, and I found, I found those people. I found that, uh, tribe, you know, um, I found those, that, that, those kin who do resemble me, who do, um, act like me in a lot of ways, who do value what I value in friendship, who do build friendships the same way, who, um, resemble me in all those sort of deep fundamental ways that, that I always felt very alien about. Yeah. This whole, like, resemblance like looking like one another thing i can't get that image out of my head now for the last few minutes because i i think back on all of our like yearbook photos and like team photos like i i, I was on a cross-country team and track field team so we had those group photos and i even just like thinking back on it like maybe there was some like base level thing that unified us or or made us a commonality but but by and large like no looking back on all of my classes over the years and the groups of boys and the groups of men that i've been like quote unquote a part of like it didn't really yeah I don't I feel like I didn't look like them or they didn't resemble me I didn't resemble them externally internally and and there's something about our community that yeah it starts to all of a sudden there's there's a reflection of myself in this community that I haven't seen in a group of men um, by and large elsewhere and so that's that's just been a really really cool part of uh, of this journey with with Yab. Um, let's read a couple more comments and then we'll get to how, how we do kinship in our lives. We're already starting to talk about that, but, um, here's what somebody had to say about feeling alien as a shy, awkward, soft-spoken homeschooled boy, shout out to the homeschooled boys. I saw none of the strong, confident ease in myself that I readily observed in so many other boys and men. I've had at least a couple of male friends throughout the seasons of my life from those early boyhood days through high school and college and on into my adulthood. Some I would even consider pretty close. Even with this, there is a part of me that has been and continues to be plagued 
by a relentless sense of not belonging in the community of men, of being less than. Even if other men treat me kindly, there's a nagging suspicion that they're just tolerating me, and that really I am annoying at best, pathetic at worst, and that they would really prefer I were not among them. In recent years, I've developed a few close, deep friendships with men, two in particular who have heard the deeper details of my story and have embraced me more, not less, as a result. I'm eternally grateful to God for these two brothers who are the closest to kinship I have experienced in the community of men up until this point. These friendships have helped lessen the sense of imposter shame I described above, but it still lurks in the background, materializing in some fashion and degree every time I interact with men. Do you guys feel that or used to feel that if you've overcome that, that sense that you're an imposter or that like you, people are just tolerating you? Like I, I resonate so deeply with that. I don't know if that's just a, I think this person is a four. So I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's a four thing or if there's like something beyond Enneagram parameters with that, but I get the sense that that seems to be a commonality in our community. I think to some degree and some of us married guys feel sometimes a little bit on the outside there. Like some of the single guys feel like we're, we're different, you know, because we're, we're married that maybe we don't belong in some sense. Um, getting to find close community with some of the other married guys in, in our group, one in particular, uh, who, who I can't name, but, um, may or may not be in close geographical proximity to, to, to certain people on this call. Um, having that brotherhood has been something that has helped me feel less imposter syndrome to be able to, to talk with him about some of the deeper hard things and go, have you experienced this? Uh, you know, in your marriage, have you, have you dealt with this? And to, to kind of have that me too, in a way that I haven't been able to have that with some of, you know, the single guys in Yab or, you know, some of my straight married friends to have that kind of connection and know that in that I'm not alone. Um, that's been awesome, you know, to find that in this community as well. Can't relate, Tom, sorry. <laughs> All right, moving on. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I can very deeply. I think it's probably um, I, in a lot of ways a very human way to feel. Yeah, I hope this conversation, if you haven't already gotten that vibe, maybe we have some new listeners, but if you haven't already gotten that vibe from our community, from our podcast, from our blog, our content, um, I don't know, that sense of otherness, I think is very inherent in our community. Not everybody. Some people were able to acclimate more easily than others, <laughs> but I think there is a, an otherness that we experienced growing up that can taint our view of kinship or wondering like, what does, like, what does it mean to be like connected to somebody like through everything, through better and worse and richer and poor, not in a marriage context, but like somebody who is your brother through everything um, in this life and the next. Like that's like that's can be very difficult to wrap your mind around. Um, as we wind the conversation down, I, I was curious about kinship experiences um, that our community has and that we've had here on the show today. Um, and I wanted to pluck out, there was somebody who mentioned a comment about the recovery community, um, which I've dabbled in myself over the years. And I think there's this awesome like component there of accountability and honesty and integrity that I really value and appreciate. And so that's, I think we have a lot of guys in our community who have been involved in different recovery um, or 12 step programs and th those sorts of structures. And so I think those are, those are places to start if you're looking for 
kind of an extra level of support or, or connection there. I think, um, there's an awesome, awesome bond that can happen in, in those various recovery communities that are out there. Um, someone else had this to say about kinship in second Samuel 23, we read about David and his quote unquote mighty men. I love this. The through most David is an endless well. We could we should just do like a David series about all the stories of David. Maybe we will one day. Um, the comment continues. Through most of my adult life, I've kept a running mental list of my own mighty men. These aren't warriors like David's comrades, but friends who have walked with me and struggled with me through the day-to-day conflicts of life. My list of mighty men has changed over the years as seasons have brought friends in and out of my life. But my current list is made up of guys who know the story of my sexuality and still unconditionally love me and accept me for who I am. As a gay man who's not generally out to the world for a variety of complicated reasons, it means a great deal to have these dear friends I can trust implicitly with my story. They are like brothers to me, and I'm so grateful to God for them. Because of them, and only because of them, I've finally begun to know what it's like to be a man among men. Does the Bible actually say mighty men? Is that a thing? It does say that, yeah. I want to say it's like gibberim, I think is the word. If I'm remembering the random Hebrew word, it's like gibberim or something. Mm, okay. Because that's obviously English alliteration, mighty men. But I was curious, how does that translate? <laughs> you translate it to the uh, original. Is Does it come out approximately like that? Mighty men? That's so interesting. It does. It's the word mighty turned into a noun. The mighty ones, the mighty warriors. Yep, Yibarim. Ah. Wow. See, Hebrew was worth taking, apparently. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you, former Pastor Ben. We love having you on the show. Love having your perspective and your wealth of knowledge, um, regardless of whatever assist you need to make from the Google. Um yeah, I'm curious between you guys, Ben and Ryan, we'll close it out. Like just whether it's through Yob, it doesn't have to be through Yob, but I'm just curious about your journey of like finding finding that sense of an elevated bond with um since we're focusing on on kind of the brotherhood subdivision of of kinship. Obviously we have kinship with women in our lives too. Shout out to the girls listening. Um I've had some actually amazing female friends going back to college when I had no male friends. Like, so shout out to them because they they helped keep me afloat for for a few years socially, um, and that was that was awesome. But um, but I know I, I'll just jump right into it. I know for me, like in the the time before Yah, before there was a year other brothers, like finding those guys on Zanga for me was such a lifeline that I just didn't even know existed. I didn't even know I was looking for it. Um, but finding these other guys who were putting themselves out there and blogging anonymously about faith and sexuality that, um, was the biggest game changer in my life, honestly. And the fact that that decision, the decision that these random people, most of whom I'm not even connected with anymore, if I'm honest, like there was a season in my life where they were so integral to my life. Um, and then through, through forming those friendships, your, your other brothers was started. And now it's kind of like a changing of the guard. It's it's one of those weird, annoying things about life. I don't know how you guys feel about that because he mentioned it in the in the comment about seasons changing and friends coming in and friends going out. Like there's a gruesomeness to that, and there's a there's like a tragedy to that and a loss to that. Um, but there's also something very redemptive about that too, of God providing like a steady stream of people, even though those people might change over the years. Because I just know that your other brothers wouldn't be here today if I hadn't have found those guys blogging. 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, like this has been, um, yeah, it's, it's been, there's no other word to use, but a game changer. Cause it just totally changed the, the course of my life. 
I think for me, uh, it was the men's choir in undergrad because, you know, certain stereotypes are true. Approximately one third of the men's choir was gay at any given point. Um, yeah. And then I would say in more recent times, maybe something, you know, of an unpopular opinion, uh, you know, outside of our own community, uh, there have also been some some side A people that have been super supportive of me and of my marriage to Marie and, you know, been there through thick and thin and pointing me back to her and back to Christ. Um, yeah. So just, I found community in a lot of different places and I'm very thankful for what I have. Yeah. I've talked about before how I used to worry a lot, just lay awake at night wondering, you know, what, what's my life going to look like as I get older, you know, when I'm 50, 55, 60, 75, you know, who's going to be there? What, you know, am I going to be all alone or what? There's no social script really that, that is appealing to me <laughs> for someone that age. And, um, and so I would, you know, just, just lose a lot of, lose a lot of sleep over that, both literally and figuratively. And after I, I think it was, I mean, it was discovering these kinship bonds that, um, that I started to relax more and worry less and feel more confident, more secure in the future. And it's not because I know what my life is going to look like at 75. It's because I know that there's going to be people there with me. You know, I, I don't know what my life is going to look like, but I do know who's going to be there. Um, and, and part of that is met by kind of in, in one sense, met by specific relationships and specific people, but it's more than just friendship, you know, going back kind of to the difference between kinship and friendship. Um, but it's more than just friendship because I look back and like you said, Tom, I, like I had, I've had super close friends who were just not that close anymore. And those specific people are not involved in my life anymore. And so my current friends uh, you, you know, maybe they'll be involved in my life at that time. I'd like to think so, but who can tell the future? But kinship gives me a sense that those people are out there, that, um, that there, there's that pool, that, that well of community to draw from um, throughout the years, throughout the decades, throughout all these seasons of life that, um that I do, even if I don't know the specific names of people who will be there when I'm that old, you know, I do know the, the, the well that we're drawing from and it's gonna be there. What is the word for that experience, that feeling that you get when you find family, family outside of your family? A family that somehow feels more like family. I feel as if there should be a specific word for this, for this concept, for this experience, this feeling. Something that connects the strange with the surprising, with the self-assured, with the existentially assured, with the joy, with belonging. Something beyond magic. Something like providence. Whatever that non-existent word is, this feeling, this pursuit, this chase, 
while fulfilling on so many levels, has also been incredibly addicting. The constant chase for that strange, surprising, assuring, joyful belonging. Because as much as I've found it over the years, I never quite find enough. There's always still some dark, far corner of my heart that hasn't been tapped into yet, that still needs fulfillment, that still needs that connection, that still needs that belonging. The more I chase this feeling, the more I chase this non-existent word, the more I can't fulfill it. The longing remains. And I hate admitting this. I hate admitting that something that is legitimately beautiful beyond words is something that has also poisoned my relationship with the giver of all good things. The thing that forever changed my belief that I was all alone in this journey with faith and sexuality has at times caused me to turn away from the giver himself. In the last 15 years of receiving and partaking in this gift, I've turned away. I've leaned more and more into other men Men who, unsurprisingly, cannot fill my every longing. We've fought and argued. We've crossed boundaries, emotionally and physically. We've broken up, climbed out of the same ship we once rode in to sail in separate seas. It's like this beautiful gift that I received has needed to be returned again and again. And yet what remains? is a constant return to my first love. And it's when I see the gift through this lens, when I see the gift through this lens daily, something indeed magical does happen. A love that doesn't steal and consume and frustrate, but one that blesses and beautifies from both sides. A temporary brotherhood that feels more and more like an eternal kinship. Something that won't just come and go as seasons change, but will stand firm through the ages. Ages far beyond the grave. And I can't help feeling that as we lock arms with brothers and sisters and siblings the world over, as we set sail for our true north, for Jesus, I can't help looking to my left and right just wondering if God hasn't brought us together for such a time as this. C.S. Lewis had a lot to say about friendship and the power of this particular sort of love. He describes friendship as this in his book, The Four Loves. Friendship arises out of mere companionship when two or more of the companions discover that they have in common some insight or interest or even taste which the others do not share and which till that moment each believed to be his own unique treasure or burden. The typical expression of opening friendship would be something like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. It is when two such persons discover one another, when whether with immense difficulties and semi-articulate fumblings, or with what would seem to us amazing and elliptical speed, they share their vision. It is then that friendship is born, and instantly they stand together in an immense solitude. And so, fellow sparrows, in the nest of this ship that's formed through the years, twigs from North America 
straw from Europe, mud and clay from South America and Africa and sea coast to sea coast. Amid all these friendships born and still being birthed, may we never forget the giver of this very good thing. Let us live in greater awareness and gratitude that of all the times to have lived on this earth, our God has brought forth from the dust us at this point in time. Not a hundred years ago or 5,000 more, but now. And here we stand together in this immense solitude, a big, beautiful boat still being built, always with room for one more. May we enjoy the company in this hall, but may we never be content to close the gate, always be challenged to seek out new souls to join us in this journey, to invite them to the dock or to toss a life ring, ever extending this gift that we've been given, never hoarding this sense of belonging. May we live like true kin, giving to our fellow saints as if we share their very blood in our veins. From all corners of this globe, let us look forward to the day when we share the same physical plane, the same tangible neighborhood, the same paradise each of us desperately longs for. Let us keep our eyes on that true north of a coming kingdom with a common king, filled with kin from every nation, tribe, and tongue, every age, including this one, here and now. One of the joys, one of the joys in Yab is when a new sparrow joins the nest and people welcome them. And there's this new person that pops up on Zoom one one time. And we um, we always save new people for last. We'll, we'll check in one after the other and we save the new person for last. Um, Cause as people sign on late, they'll, they'll be able to be there and be able to hear from this new person and, and meet the new person. Um, and it just blows my mind that we get these new people and there's always a new story that we haven't quite had. We've had shades of that person over here, shades of that person over there. But then this new person comes and kind of has a whole new perspective. And it could be like the country that they're coming from or um, or also a whole host of things, their denomination or their age or um, or their family background or, or whatever. And um, and there's just always there's always more people out there. There's always people to connect with in this faith and this brotherhood that we have. My my hope is that, my hope as we've done this episode rather, is that we've both, <laughs> we've both like sold the community of Yab, but not oversold it. That's my hope. <laughs> my hope is that when, if you decide to support what we're doing and, and join us in the boat, um, that on some level you will find like you will find a kinship, you will find equal ground, you will find no judgment, you will find a place where you can be, where you can bring yourself into the boat, all of yourself into the boat. Um, and hopefully, hopefully, there can be people or at least one or two people that you can connect with as well on a, on maybe on a deeper level compared to compared to everyone else in the rest of the ship. Um, but that is that is the hope. I know over the years, we've attracted quite a number of people from all sorts of places. And it's a beautiful beautiful thing like i said kinship this value wouldn't have even materialized if the community hadn't have formed so um it's something that um, when i think about action steps practicing hospitality and a welcoming spirit and um sacrificing time sacrificing energy sacrificing blood and sweat and tears into that's probably very dramatic but into planning a retreat maybe not blood sweat and probably some tears but um Maybe a little sweat, no blood to this, to my knowledge. Although I did burn my hands on coffee, Ben. You were in the car when that happened, driving to the retreat. But there was no blood spilled. 
thankfully. That would have been a severe burn if blood was spilled in that instance. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's definitely a labor of love, totally worth the whatever stress or whatever effort is involved. I love, I love you guys. I love y'all. Uh, if you guys have any kinship stories, I want to hear them. Go to yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Find the episode 106 post on kinship. Um, tell us stories, either, either side of the spectrum, either side of the story, whether you, there was a time in your life where you felt like a stranger or an alien in this life, in this faith, in this community of men. Um, or on the flip side, times where you have found kinship, where you have found connections, um, people who are with you stronger, closer than a brother, as the scripture goes. Um, would love to hear any stories from both sides of the spectrum that come to mind. And um, as always, shout out to Nests and Boats. You know, Boats are, gonna, are going to sponsor the next episode as well. You'll just have to stay tuned to see who sponsors the show along with Boats as we talk about discipleship next time ben and ryan i look forward to like this is almost like a part one part two in this part seven podcast <laughs> so i'm excited to to take this ship out next time with y'all yeah mm -hmm. that'll be good for sure so much fun um i think though for now that's going to do it for all your other brothers this is tom and this is ryan and i'm ben Reminding you that you are not alone, even the sparrow finds a home. See you next time, everybody, for the finale. Bye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Our show is edited and produced by Thomas Mark Zuniga. We'd love to hear your story. Comment on this or any of our episodes at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast or share a story to play back on our show by calling us at 706-389-8009. You can also email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com or write to us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. If you enjoy our show, consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. Finally, if you'd like to further support our storytelling, community building efforts, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly on Patreon and receive perks like bonus podcast content, regular group calls with fellow patrons and authors, and more. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us. <laughs>